You are listening to Vueltas y Revueltas, the cycling podcast at the Vuelta España, powered by Super Sapiens, energy management for committed athletes and coaches. Stage 17. Today we are in Lagos de Covadonga. Luis Ángel Mate, who is going to be in the red jersey tonight? I've got the general classification here for you, in case you're not familiar with it. Mm, for me, Primo. Roglic. Why? Because I think uh, today it's a hard stage with hard final and Guillaume crashed yesterday and Christian all aching. I think today drop in the final. Felix Porschartner, who is going to be in the red jersey tonight? I've got the, the general classification here to help you maybe. Oh. I think it's gonna be actually. I think there's gonna be a change in the top. It will be, I think, Roglic. Jack Hay, get your crystal ball out, your tarot cards, and tell me who's gonna be in red tonight. Uh, odd Christian Eichen, Guillaume Martin, Primoz Roglic, or Jack Hay? That's a tough one. I think if we ride the final climb really hard top to bottom, we'll see Primoz in the leader's jersey. If we ride the climb semi-tactically, I think Odd. Christian Eichen can maybe hang on. I saw somewhere on Twitter that if we did it at the front group at like six points something watts per kilo and he did it at 5.8, it was exactly a minute 36. And uh, that would put uh, Rolich into the red. I want you to tell me who's going to be in the red jersey tonight, Kenny Elisand. Oh, Primoz, I would say. Yeah, uh, it's a nice story with Christian. I, I will hope he uh, will be able to pull this off. But uh, today I expect a big fight because I think at one point they need to take this time back and he has been really consistent. So I think in the in their mind, in the bird, they say, okay, now we need to start to work on it because it's, go it's getting closer. Okay, we know there is a TT, we know there is... Uh, also climb, but uh, actually he's getting closer and closer and uh, I think they need to start to think about uh, putting some time back, no? Odd Christian Eiking, who is going to be in the red jersey tonight? It's all the climbing uh, and uh, the guys breathing in my neck uh, behind me, they uh, they are uh, already really good uh, Grand Tour riders with podiums and wins and everything, so I think it's going to be hard, but uh, I have been in good shape so far, so I hope I can uh, be on a good day. It's really it's really cool to have it still. Uh, I really enjoy riding in it, uh, of course, and uh, I will do my best to keep it, but I know it's going to be hard. Knowing what you know about Odd Christian Eiking and Guillaume Martin, who do you think is going to be in red tonight? Oh, it's it's hard to say what uh, what the gaps will be on the climb. I mean, if it's uh, if it's already a crazy pace from the bottom of the climb, then uh, then then maybe they they lose a bit more time. But uh, yeah, I mean, both of them are really strong. I mean, Guillaume Martin, he's he's always in the top ten. He's always one of the best climbers. And uh, Odd is is super strong, not not like a pure climber, but he's uh, yeah, he's just a good all-around rider, and and he, for sure he wants to give me a chest chest thumping declaration that Primoz is going to be in red tonight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I I think so. I mean, uh, 
you know, it's, uh, you never know it until you're there. But I, I think, uh, you know, th this last week he really wants to go for it. And uh, as a team, we want to go for it too. So I, I think that uh, gives us confidence. I don't look uh, on the other guys. I try to focus on myself, try to, yeah, to do my best. Uh, so, uh, yeah, when I achieve that, you know what I mean? The guys that are faster are, yeah, are faster, the guys that are slower are slower. So. Where are we, Daniel? We are in Diego. We're halfway, about halfway up the first Palmer de Collado, uh, Yomena. And we're here on Alberto Contador's advice, aren't we? Because he said, when we asked him about today's stage, which finishes at Lagos de Covadonga, that he thought it would kick off here. They're coming up this climb. First climb, first time up here for the Vuelta. They're coming up here twice. They are rich, and well, it's going to be, a, it's going to sort of tenderize and, and kind of marinate the, the <laughs> odd Christian hiking. I think it's going to tenderize him ready for the, the blowtorch that Primoz Roglic is going to bring on the Lagos de Covadonga. He's just kneading him gently at the moment, isn't he? Uh, we heard at the start there from a few riders this morning um, at the, the stage start predicting who would be in the red jersey. A, a fairly uh, overwhelming consensus that it would be Roglic, one or two dissenting voices. But I think most people do expect Roglic to to turn the screw today. And and some, you know, whispers. Joe Dombrowski said that he'd heard that you know that that Jumbo Visma were starting to take the threat of odd Christian Eiking seriously. Uh, well, we'll see today, won't we? We will, Rich. It's a beautiful scene, isn't it? We're surrounded by the Picos de Europa, this um, beautiful mountain range that stretches across uh, northern Spain. So called, apparently, because it was the first sight of Europe that the sort of adventurous sailors got when they were coming back from the Americas. But talking of um, well, get, getting a first sight of well, the, the bike race in this case, because here they come, Dylan Van Bala and well, the peloton just behind him, led by UAE at the moment. They're way up on schedule, aren't they? Which sort of augurs well. It's been a fast, furious start to the race. No breakaway, but there's Dylan Van Bala and there's a UAE-led peloton. And uh, well, Mikel Nievi, Michael Storer. Breakaway group, in fact. Not great internet up here, so we haven't been able to follow everything, but there is a breakaway, indeed of about 15, 15 to 20 riders. Fabiaru was in there, well, a couple of Quebeca, Assos, Trentin, as you said, Madrazo. It looks as though it's just forming. There are a few riders trying to come across now. Indeed, yeah, Quebec Assos, we didn't mention it last night, but stories that they have uh, not received their salaries last month and perhaps some problems with that team, which has faced a precarious sort of future. Anyway, we'll try and find out a bit more about that. Um, but yeah, Michael Storer was up there. Um, and I, don't, I feel that the bunch is not too far behind. It is a spectacular place, isn't it, Daniel? As we drove through the, the sort of Valley Road, it's very kind of Lord of the Rings here, which I guess means it, may, it looks like New Zealand. Never seen the Lord of the Rings, but I'll take your word for it. Bauman. all over the place, isn't it? Bauman. Harm van Hoek taking a bottle from Alps and Phoenix there. That was very nice of them, very charitable. Daniel, what was what what passes as the main group went past? It was very small. It's clearly been a really fast, hard start to the stage today. Um, we're we're going off just what we what we can see because we haven't been able to watch TV pictures so far. But just little glimpses. Um, Roglic quite far down the group. Robert Hessing, 
but looking good. Um, good. Jumbo Visma had lost while well, Robert Hastings already. He he looked as though he was really struggling. Saw a few riders going past, sort of cursing, swearing under their breath, didn't we? Scott Thwaites looked angry, I would say. I mean, I spoke to him at the start this morning. He's got a broken rib and he's really struggling. He's really frustrated because he really hoped to be able to do something, at least get in a breakaway or something in this third week. But he's uh, performing well below par as a result. And yeah, lots of riders looked in a pretty bad way. And they're coming up here again. It is a steep climb, isn't it? It is, Rich. I think we put the cycling podcast curse on a few people because I suppose the King Kenny, Kelly Ellison this morning, and um, he's got this record of performing very well on these sort of mythical, legendary climbs. Von Two, Angliru years ago. And I thought Lagos de Covadonga might be one for him. He said he was very tired. He hurt his knee as well earlier in the Vuelta. And indeed, King Kenny, unfortunately, has abdicated. He's abandoned in this Vuelta this morning. Abdicated, I like it. Um, we also, just as we're waiting for the riders, bumped into a friend of the podcast, didn't we, Daniel? We did. My name is Tono. I'm from Redondela, uh, close my count, my hometown. Yeah. But it's my holiday. And um, what do you think is going to happen here today? We've got. Um, we we've decided to come here instead of the Lagos because you know with two ascents. And Alberto Contador told us yesterday that this is an important point in the race today. Uh, I don't expect so much exciting stage. I have. I think they are very conservative, but I think. Uh, maybe a breakaway with some risky riders could make some show, put some show today. I see you drinking beer there, Tono. That's not really the, that's not really the local brew. No, no, you should no. be drinking sidra. No, no, this is Galician beer and this is the best uh, commercial beer in Spain. Which is 90, it's 1906, isn't it? It's, it's the special Estrella Galicia. Okay, La Milnueve. And are you uh, an aficionado of a particular rider or team? I think I will support Damiano Caruso for today. I think he, uh, he will uh, give some show today. And we have to, we have to ask you, you, you said you're a friend of the podcast. You, yeah. You, you're obviously a Spaniard. How did you discover the podcast? Oh, uh, I think uh, three, four years ago on Reddit, on internet, they talk uh, very well about YouTube. And... Since then, I'm a junkie of, of your show. Well, Daniel, uh, a noisy bar where we've been watching the stage unfold. Um, it was real chaos when they came up here the first time. We're now waiting for the second ascent of the climb here. We saw a move by Mika Landa to bridge up to the front group with a bit of help from Jan Tratnik. And it, it, it does uh, bring Bahrain uh, victorious to the fore. We haven't, we've been talking a lot, about, a lot about Movistar and Ineos, but not Bahrain victorious. And for all that they've got such a strong team here, we haven't seen much evidence of them riding as a team to help Jack Haig, who's their best place rider. Well, do you know what, Rich? Jack Haig dropped a very heavy hint that today could be Bahrain victorious's day, or at least the day when they throw caution to the wind. That was this morning in Unquera. I woke up excited. I was happy to get through yesterday's stage. Those kind of stages are just more annoying than anything else because things can go wrong. Like we saw the crash and around 8Ks into the stage. It was quite a big one. I came down, but luckily didn't have any problems. So I'm happy to get that one done. And now onto the proper stages in the mountains. Uh, I think now we're looking for opportunities. If there's an opportunity that arises, then we'll definitely take it. I had a bit of a meeting with the guys on the bus today and I said, look, finishing 6th or 8th or, or whatever on GC is nice, but 
I wouldn't want to let the chance of getting on the podium slip through my hands and uh, not have tried anything. So I'd like to try something, whether it's today, tomorrow, or the next two days, just so I can finish the race and say, look, I tried. It didn't work or it did work. And uh, we can leave happier after that. Well, that was Jack Haig this morning. And uh, well, let's see what happens. As they approach the second climb, Jumbo Visma were on the front. Uh, Nathan Van Hooydonk doing a great job for a, a big kind of ruler. Um, and then just as we left the bar there, Ineos Grenadiers came to the front with Pavel Sivakov and Egan Bernal. So we're waiting for the riders now. Let's see what happens. I neglected to mention, Daniel, that it's absolutely lashing it down as we wait for them to come up the second time. Um, this is going to have a, a bearing, no doubt, on proceedings, but who are we going to see first come around this corner on this particularly steep section of the climb? In Viego, we're about 3k from the top of the climb, aren't we? I think it's going to be Siv, El Siv. Um, we've just exited the bar where we had been watching the stage, and they were closing in, and, and Ineos-led Peloton was closing in on Olivier Legac. Just as El Cid used to rampage through Spain in the, in the olden days, El Cid is rampaging up this climb, and he seemed to be chatting to Bernal close to the bottom. So I wonder, I wonder what they've got up their sleeve. Um, Movistar as well. Will we see them make a move on this climb? Still a long way, isn't there, from the top to the bottom of uh, Lagos de Covadonga? I don't think we'll see them make a move, but Alberto Contador pointed something out yesterday. I think it was him who said that if it rained, which it was likely to do, and it often does in these parts, the race would be harder to control. It would be more chaotic. Uh, all sorts of things become more complicated in the rain, from feeding to, you know, getting the right clothing and so forth. Oh, Here they come. And, and it looks like attacked with rock. Oh, my word. Well, we haven't been able to see footage, so we don't know what's happened here. We'll find that out from Lionel's later, but Bernal... Bernal is certainly uh, making a big effort. And Rog, you know, Rog working hard to stay on his wheel. This looks like Mass, or Lopez, actually. I'm slightly speechless at that, Rich. Big move, isn't it? Big move. Well, it's a huge move, and it looks like a huge gap. So I can only conclude that we've missed a, a hugely significant moment of the welter while we were standing outside here waiting for the Yeah, world. but Lionel's going to give us exactly what happened. I mean, so much for Barry and Victorious who lead the small group behind Wap Poles at the front here, but you know, they've got a lot to do now. Jack Hagen as wheel. Dino made a mass in fourth wheel. Kreiswijk is there. Sepkus is there. I think Guillaume Martin is Guillaume Martin is hanging on and uh, Odd Christian Eiking has gone. Uh, he was in trouble first time up the climb. He's gone now. And we've just been passed by Kern Bauman and Sam Uman, who are both trying to get back on, trying desperately to get back on, but that might be the last time they see Primoz Roglic. See you in the douches, see you in the showers, Primoz says. Old Christian Eiking just gone past us, quite a bit down. I think he will be relinquishing the red jersey tonight. Well, your man, Damiano Caruso, well down there, but um, that looked like quite a big move, didn't it? Missing action with Danny Caruso. <laughs> a big well, move there by Bernal. Oh, yeah, I hope that Miguel Angel Lopez fight for the stage today and maybe catch them and fight on the Lagos de Copadonga. Well, Rich, we stopped in another bar, second bar of the day, hoping to happen upon some, well, some Spanish fans. But what we found, we found Slovenians. Um, two Slovenians, Nirja and Sada. 
decked out in Slovenian national colours. We've got the green and the blue. And you girls, I guess, are Primoz Roglic fans. Yes, and also Tratnik, Polans and Mazgats, of course. And you're here just for the Vuelta España? Yes, we booked our flight uh, like a week ago and we rent a car and that's our trip, a Vuelta trip. That's big commitment. How long have you been cycling fans? And is it Primoz Roglic and Tadej Pogacar that made you cycling fans? Uh, I've been reading books about cycling since I was like eight, nine years old. So this is really a fan's dream. I couldn't, I couldn't think of this happening, of having Slovenians on top. And it's really something so beautiful that we just had to come to Spain and see this in person. Well, I feel terrible because you're, you're busy giving, giving me an interview and you should be, well, this is a historic day because Primoz Roglic's performance today might be one of the greatest of his performance, of his career. Yeah, today he has really good legs. We're not worried and he's going to win. And, and how much longer are you guys out here? Till the end or? Till the end, yeah. Till the, till the way we will be here till Monday, so we'll be in Santiago in Sunday. Fantastic. Well, can I ask a quick question? Pogacar or Roglic? Roglic. I won't answer that. <laughs> that seems like a popular view in Slovenia. Roglic is more yes. popular. Why? He, he, he has this big accident and we feel him so much. And today is also so good and we like him a lot too, but Roglic is better. And also, I'm a journalist, so when I go to places with cycling fans and I ask them, who's your favorite? They, all, they um, usually say Roglic, and I say, well, Pogacar is only 22, he's amazing. And they say, yeah, but you feel with pretty much every meter of the road. And so that's, that's something special. You have a story about um, the first time up the climb. You got a reaction from Roglic, did you? Yes, we did. Um, he was driving and he, uh, we were yelling Primoz and uh, of course we had five flags so we were very visible and he looked at us and uh, I guess I, he just winked and moved forward and it was beautiful. <laughs> you are listening to Vueltas y Revueltas, the cycling podcast at the Vuelta España, powered by Super Sapiens. Energy management for committed athletes and coaches. Still guessing on fueling? Not sure what or when to eat and drink on rights that matter? Never again. Optimize your fueling strategy with real-time glucose data, actionable insights and personalized analytics. We're here to help you achieve your performance goals. Go to supersapiens.com for more on how to track your energy levels and fuel for success. Thank you very much to Super Sapiens, our title sponsors. If you want to find out more about them, go to supersapiens.com. And if you want to enter our competition to win a three-month supply of the sensors and three-month access to the Super Sapiens app to monitor your glucose levels in real time, go to thecyclingpodcast.com. 
If this is an area of sports science that really interests you, I recommend an article by Alex Hutchinson on OutsideOnline.com, which was published yesterday. It's a really deep, informative, but open-minded and balanced look at continuous glucose monitoring technology and Super Sapiens in particular. So I'd check that out if this is an area of sports science that you're particularly interested in. It's on OutsideOnline.com. Now for the tale of the Etapa, and it was stage 17 from Unkera to Lagos de Covadonga, 185 kilometres, and Primoz Roglic, the stage winner for the third time in this race, and back in red, his third stint in the race lead, but will it be for good this time? It certainly looks that way because his performance on the climb to Lagos de Covadonga was commanding. It was a very aggressive start to a wet day's racing, and the picture at the front of the race was constantly changing over the first 100 kilometres. Before the first climb, there was an early break of eight riders featuring Jan Tratnik, Arno Demar, Olivier Legac and Maori Van Sevenant, but they were reeled back in and another group of eight went clear, this time including Mark Padun, Andreas Kron, Joe Dombrowski and Michael Storer. But at the top of the first climb... It was Damiona Caruso who went over the top and took the points. He is still an outsider for the King of the Mountains title. On the first ascent of La Collada Lomena, a big group went away, but they didn't make uh, enough gains either. Behind them, we saw a doomed attack by Mikael Lander, some very aggressive pace setting by Pavel Sivakov for Ineos, and the first crack in Odd Christian Eiking's armour as the red jersey was briefly dropped. He did get back on temporarily, though, um, but more of that in a mo. Stora went over the top of this climb first, and he's right in the King of the Mountains picture as well. Uh, he's now up to second in the standings behind Roman Bardet, and with a couple of big mountain stages still remaining, he may well target that King of the Mountains jersey. Still, there was no real pattern set to the race, though. Olivier Legac of Group Armour went clear on the descent, and he led until he was reeled in with about 62 kilometres to go. And very shortly after that, with 61 kilometres still to go, Egan Bernal attacked, and Primoz Roglic reacted. First, he marked the Colombian, but once it was clear that the gap had opened up a bit and there was little reaction behind, he also joined in with the pace setting. So we had the defending champion and this year's Giro winner away and working well together. With the pressure going on at the front, odd Christian Eiking was dropped, this time for good. He also slipped on a corner on the descent. Uh, that was in the same place that Alexander Vlasov fell heavily and hit the kerb. Uh, from that point on, Iking was losing more time. And the gap between the Roglic-Bernal Express and the rest kept growing. And it reached the two-minute mark before Bahrain-Victoria started to chase and reduced it to around 1 minute 35 going into the bottom of the final climb. On that final climb, we saw, with 10.5 kilometres to go, Guillaume Martin, second place on GC, begin to struggle, and he lost touch, so his hopes of uh, reeling in Roglic and perhaps having a day or two in red were finally extinguished. Up front, Bernal had stopped going through and was unable to work with Roglic, and then with 7.5 kilometres still to ride, Bernal's front wheel began to lose contact with Roglic's back wheel and the gap began to open. In the group behind, Movistar's two men, Miguel Angel Lopez and then Enrique Mas made short-lived bids to gain time on the rest. Bernal was then caught by this Movistar Bahrain group just inside the final kilometre. And on the line, it was Roglic's teammate Sepkus who made it a 1-2 for Jumbo Visma and denied Lopez a few additional time bonus seconds. 
So that meant Yates, Haig, Mass, Bernal and Gino Maida, who was also in the group, finished 1 minute 35 behind Roglic. Guillaume Martin was 15th at 4.46 and Eiking was 23rd at 9 minutes 23. Vlasov managed to get up and ride into the finish, but he was over 35 minutes down, so he tumbles down from 11th place overall. The green jersey, Fabio Jakobsen, finished second last, well inside the time limit and with a teammate for company, so his fight for the green jersey is still alive. There were five non-finishes today, three of them former Welter stage winners, Lander, Elisande and Armey, plus Luis Leon Sanchez and Itamar Einhorn. And the overall picture now has some real clarity. Roglic back in red and his gap is a very healthy 2 minutes 22 over Enric Mas. Lopez is uh, the second of the Movistar riders on the podium as it stands at the moment, but he is 3.11 back. Then comes Haig at 3.46. Martin is now at 4.16. Bernal at 4.29. Yates and then Kuss at 4.45. Iking has now slipped down to 11th and there is more climbing tomorrow. Science in Sport is supporting the cycling podcast at the Vuelta España. Science in Sport, fueled by science. Thank you very much indeed to Science in Sport for their support of the cycling podcast. If you would like 25% off all your Science in Sport products, go to scienceinsport.com and at the checkout, enter the code SISCP25. SISCP25. And thank you very much to Lionel Burney there for the tale of the etapa. It was good, uh, quite useful today because we were dashing about all over the place, Daniel. And uh, good to hear exactly what happened because we were in the dark for much of it. Where are we now? Well, Rich, we're in the middle of Oviedo, which is... what's the Famous for two statues. It's famous for one statue of Woody Allen rather bizarrely because Woody Allen doesn't have that much of a connection with Oviedo except he came here to film uh, Vicky Cristina Barcelona which is an excellent film it is an excellent um, film and sort of fell in love with the place but it's become a uh, a bit of a, a controversial statue monument in the last two or three years um, subsequent to get, well get the allegations around Woody yeah. Allen yeah. Um, interestingly it seems more of a controversial statue than the other statue here of Sammy Sanchez oh yes the, the, the town's most famous cycling son who Olympic champion in 2008 in Beijing um, whose career ended when he failed a drugs test but no, no controversy around his statue. No, and the statue sits at the bottom of their Naranco, which is the emblematic, the iconic climb of Oviedo. One of the smaller hills, actually, around Oviedo, um, because we're pretty close to the well, bigger mountains, the Picos de Europa, here. But the Naranco is sort of a, a bit of a, a kind of crocodile's back on one side of the city. And Samuel Sanchez, we used to train up it. I think he won the Subida al Naranco more than once. And, um, yeah, they, they chose to honour him in happier times for Samuel Sanchez before he was sort of disgraced. It's a pretty miserable evening in Oviedo. The rain is falling. It's been a, a, a cold, grey sort of day, but uh, an epic day on the Vuelta. And I guess we were there on the climb, and you made the comment, Daniel, um, that being roadside, watching the riders pass twice, gives you a real vivid sense of... The chaos of the race, and I thought about this later on when I, as I, the riders approached the second uh, climb, and uh, Jumbo Visma were on the front controlling it. And 
And the way we see these races, these stages, so often controlled by a strong team. And you look at that, and sometimes as a viewer, you can be frustrated by that. But having seen the chaos of the first lap, you understand why teams want to impose order on the chaos, because otherwise there would just would be chaos. And it was hectic. It was a fast, fast stage today. It was well up on schedule in the end. And Yuma Visma, you know, on the approach to the second climb, were just wanting to have some kind of control. Then Ineos Grenadiers came to the front. Um, Pavel Sivakov, our diarist, did a big turn. As soon as he swung off, as we heard from Lionel, Egan Bernal attacked, um, and it was it was early. We were standing there expecting to see Sivakov or somebody from the bunch leading the riders through. We were we were shocked and stunned, and hopefully that came across in in the audio earlier um, uh, to see Bernal and Roglic, and we realised then the race was on, and it was a it was a phenomenal performance. You put it to the Slovenian girls we, we met that it was perhaps the performance of Roglic's career today. Yeah, without doubt. I mean, first of all, on the stage and experiencing it the way we did, it, we experienced it with a vibrancy and an intensity that is quite unusual um, when, sadly, perversely, when you do the job we do, because um, a lot of our time and energy is consumed by logistics when we're on a bike race and getting from the start to the finish. And today, being in a tiny mountain hamlet halfway up the Collada Yomena, a climb that's not been used at the Vuelta España before. People, villagers in that particular village who had never experienced the Vuelta going past their front door. The restaurant, crammed the restaurant ran out of ham on. I yes. Mean, this is crammed, exceptional. Crammed into the bar, restaurant, cafeteria, halfway up. And, you know, they were, they were recognising, pointing out things along the route. You know, their neighbours down the road, they'd spotted them or, or, or pubs or tabernas down the road that they, they know very well. And, you know, there was a, a volume and a sort of intensity to the way they were experiencing the day, which made it all very, very exciting. I thought that this was all going to be kind of wasted on a route that didn't really lend itself to, in spite of what Alberto Contador said in our podcast yesterday, didn't lend itself to high drama because there was, you know, these long valleys between the climbs. And um, I felt the route didn't deserve the spectacle it got. Um, and what a spectacle, a spectacle that didn't really obey um, any, any logic um, or any sort of, sensible preconceived ideas about what should have happened today well, and you, you were you were shocked really that bernal that 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 roglic was with bernal when after they came through you were puzzled you were scratching your head i um, thought it was a foolish move you thought it was a foolish move by roglic to follow bernal because of that big valley but before the lagos de covadonga climb yeah for, for various reasons he had teammates back in the in the group he had stephen kreiswijk and sepkus who seems to be on a good day we'd seen robert hastings and you know going back to what you said rich we we were able to sort of witness and observe the facial expressions and the you know the pedaling motions of every rider pretty much as they went past the first way around we saw we saw guys who you know wouldn't ordinarily in that position appear on your TV screens because, you know, there's a limited number of camera motorbikes. So we were, we were really studying them. Robert Hastings looked as though he was really struggling. Um, as we said, you heard earlier, there were riders sort of muttering, cursing under their breath. But Roglic did have Kuss and Kreisweg. But more than the, the actual specific circumstances of the race at that moment, what worried me is that Primoz Roglic, I don't think it's a secret to anyone now, he has a sort of fatal attraction to calamity 
or he has developed this. No risk, no reward, Daniel. Yeah, and it looked... Sometimes Primoz Roglic roglifies himself and commits roglicide. And I thought this was going to be an example of roglicide. It was, it was set up for that. And, you know, you saw me, Rich, uh, particularly... You know, when they were going down the descent, I just You were thought, worried, Daniel. You well, were watching just it thought, through the cracks of your fingers. Yeah, I just thought it was set up for another one of these moments. Roglakazi. Yes. One of these moments in Primoz Roglic's career, which, has, which have denied him, you know, fantastic victories and an even more glittering palmares than the one he has achieved. But as it was... I think it's the performance of his career, one of the greatest performances I think I've seen in a Grand Tour. Um, primarily because, you know, I was, I was thinking of points of reference, points of comparison, some of them which should be heavily asterisked and caveated. Um, solo, long solo breakaways in by, by riders to win or put themselves in a position to win major tours. Um, who could I possibly be thinking of in the last 20 years? Um, but It wasn't a solo attack, though. I, I no, no, it was a no. bit different. But, you know, you, you can talk about Floyd Landis. Um, again, again, I think we have, to, we have to put brackets around that. But, you know, even Chris Froome's in 2018, that was the, the attack of someone who had nothing to lose. And even Floyd Landis' in 2006 was, was the attack of someone who had nothing to lose. In this instance, I thought from the moment that Primoz Roglic committed, and he did commit quite early, even going after Bernal was, was committing in a certain sense, but then he started riding with Bernal, um, he had an awful lot to lose. Yeah, but I just thought that uh, the alternative was, if you remember back to 2018, when Froome attacked and Demula was in a group behind, um, that would have been the position that Roglic would have found himself in, chasing Bernal, it, potentially in a group. He didn't, he didn't know at that point he would have all his teammates at the top of the climb. Potentially in a group where the riders, the other riders are not cooperating with him fully because they're looking after their own interests or they're thinking about later on. Bernal, meanwhile, is on his own, has, has as you say, nothing to lose, and he can commit fully to it. You don't know what sort... In the end, Bernal cracked a bit and dropped back to the group behind, but you didn't know. You didn't know what sort of... I mean, Bernal is a Tour de France winner, a Giro d'Italia winner. He, he, he's a dangerous man, even if he is three minutes down. He's a dangerous guy. When he attacks, you follow, I think. And so I, I don't think Roglic had any choice but to follow. Well, well, Rich, should we hear what logic the respective heroes of the day... Roglic and Bernal themselves applied to what happened on the road. In cycling, always a risk. Uh, a lot of things can uh, always happen. But uh, yeah, when the went well today. Uh, I, uh, I enjoyed it. Uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, it's a super nice day uh, for 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 me and uh, for the whole team. What did you think when the Bernal attacked from so far? Nothing. Uh, I just went with him. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a race, huh? At the end, and uh, yeah, I didn't think it. Huh? Uh, I just went with him. Then uh, I was already a little more thinking, but oh, it's quite far, huh? and uh, yeah, uh, still a hard climb. This one at the end, uh, but uh, yeah, uh, was uh, was going good. Uh, was real, uh, real show, real show, uh, real racing, and uh, yeah. I just didn't decide it. I just uh, tried to ride uh, then up the climb as fast as possible. Uh, and uh, yeah, uh, at that point, uh, uh, Egan uh, didn't follow anymore. So yeah, I just uh, went then alone. Yeah, I'm proud of, of this, even even if I don't finish with 
with Primos. I mean, I managed to arrive with the second group. So I'm, I'm really happy. I'm really happy for this. I was almost sure that I would be dropped for him. I mean, I was, he was the strongest during the race and from one day from to the other, I, for sure I won't be the stronger than, than him. So I was, I was expecting that. I was just trying to play our, my, my cards in, in, the, in the GC. The result have not arrived, but uh, hopefully people enjoy at home. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Before we move on to Bernal, Rich, I, I do just wonder, and I, I don't know if he was asked this at any point after the stage today, but I wonder if the experience of the Tour of the Basque Country informed the way Primoz Roglic rode today and the way he committed to that move. And so for those who don't remember or didn't see it on the final stage there on Tour of the Basque Country, Brandon McNulty was in the leader's jersey, wasn't he? But you had other riders like McNulty's teammate Pogacar poised and um, very close to Roglic on general classification. But these splits occurred on, um, well, very early in the stage on a descent. Roglic found himself down the road with David Gordou and Hugh Carthy. And there again, it was a route that didn't really lend itself to a small group like the one that Roglic was in, holding off a bigger group behind or bigger groups behind. There were long, flat, flattish sections before they got to the final climb of the Arate. But he, he did commit on that occasion and it paid off because of, you know, um, discord, um, uh, behind in the Pogacar group confusion or people blowing up and that wasn't necessarily the case today but again you know Roglic has this fantastic ability to ride long distances on the flat not getting much help and then to produce a, a, a fantastic ascent at the end of it and that's what he did today um you know he 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 lost well he didn't I don't think he lost any time to the group behind on the actual Covadonga climb itself it was very the, the time gap that he finished with was very close to the one that he and Bernal started the climb with. So he was obviously on a, on a really, really good day. Yeah, I think uh, huge credit should go to Egan Bernal for what he did today. He was very gracious afterwards uh, towards Roglic. But I guess at the moment in cycling, we've got these various superstars, you know, Pogacar, Roglic, Bernal in particular, and we've kind of longed to see them go head-to-head. -head. And today we did. And we were privileged to be standing on a bit of the climb where they, the two of them had just gone clear and we could really see the whites of their eyes you know I mean I I, I, I watched Rog I looked, looked at Rog Roglic um, the, the, the concentration on his face as he just worked hard to hold on to Bernal at that point um, and you know we were lucky to see that all the, the fans the uh, people that we spoke to earlier were lucky to see that too that's what we've been longing for and we're longing to see that at the Tour de France I guess the you know Roglic having not crashed Pogacar and Bernal go head to head to head and hopefully we get that next year um, and I guess in the end you know Bernal didn't quite have it 
but he gave it a really good go and we can't fault him for that. Yeah, and I think he's one of the winners of the day because he's given meaning to Vuelta Espana, which uh, the, the white jersey, notwithstanding which he, he'll probably win, um, has been a little bit opaque. I'm sure he'd probably agree with that so far. He, he's not been on his best form. And as you say, today we gave the fans a memory that they they will treasure whether they're watching by the roadside or on TV and um, well you, you heard there in his interview that I think he was very conscious of having participated in a, a stage that will that will be remembered for many years and decades and you could argue that he he made it that way you know I mean he didn't just participate he, he was the protagonist um, a word on the he other ca- teams. Catalyzed the roglification. He catalyzed didn't he? the roglification. Behind we had a, a crucifixion oh, when when Sepp Kuss began attacking the other riders, and you thought that the Jumbo Visma one two is on the cards here, and that's what happened. Um, you know, Sepp Kuss is kind of riding high on on GC as well, um, and there's this great picture that's emerged of you know Roglic riding back down the mountain afterwards, and Sepp Kuss catching his eye and smiling. And Adam Yates kind of looking at him out the corners of his eyes. It's a, it's a great picture, which is all, all over social media now. And it, it, it says everything about the day, really. Um, disappointment for, for Movistar and Bahrain victorious today, really, ultimately. I'm sure, you know, Superman or Mass would have liked to have gone with the, the Roglic-Bernal Express when it went, but they just couldn't. And in the end... Roglic proved today that he's the strongest rider in the race. Would it have changed everything or anything had Superman Lopez moved a little bit earlier or a little bit harder and made it onto the back of Rog and Bernal shortly after that attack on the Collado Yomena? Ultimately, no, because Roglic was was definitely the the strongest rider. So whoever he'd have appeared with at the bottom of Lagos to Tomodonga... I don't know. I mean, I just thought about whether if Mass and Lopez had both been with them and, and, and they'd been able to outnumber him. But when it comes to a climb like Lagos de Covadon, which is a proper climb, it's not really a place for tactics, is it? It's a place for brute strength. No, but in the valley between, in the valley, in the valley in between the valley, those two climbs. Because, yeah. you know, you could argue that the main, from a strategic point of view, the main objective of Bernal's attack was to distance Movistar and, and not Roglic. Um, and he was he did that. He, but he wouldn't have been doing that if if Superman had also made it onto onto the wheel. So that was probably quite key there. And we've got a podium now of, of Roglic, pretty secure looking, Eric Maas and Superman in third with Jack Haig, uh, you know, pretty close behind Lopez. It's still up for grabs, um, I think the, the, Haig, the podium. Haig will really fancy his chances of taking, what's he got, 36 seconds on Superman, should they arrive oh, yeah, in those the positions trial, in the time sure. trial? Yeah, but even he, yeah, I mean, and, and that's what he wants, as we heard earlier. He, he you know, he wants the podium. I mean, the, the race, the the red jersey looks out of reach for everybody, but there's still quite a battle for the podium, really. Rich, we started the day with two other potential red jersey wearers. Um, by the time we got to Lagos de Covadonga, Guillaume Martin and Odd Christian Iking, mixed fortunes, really. Um, odd Christian Eichen came in well down. He got dropped on the first time up the Collado Yomena, didn't he? Got back on then, and I think he was dropped fairly quickly on fairly early on the second time up, and ended up well. He's now 11th on GC. 
Louis Menkes, 12. I think Menkes will fancy taking him <laughs> yeah. in the next few days. Almost eight minutes down on GC. And um, Guillaume Martin, well, he's, he is making a pretty good fist of this GC challenge a la Atapuma, this sort of yo-yo boomerang GC bid. And he's, he's in fifth place, four minutes, 16 down. Uh, Bernal is only a few seconds further back and Yates is also pretty close as well but he's looking good for a, certainly a top 10 and that's what he did in the Tour de France wasn't it he did he had a boomerang GC bid in the Tour de France and he finished seventh overall if I'm not mistaken yep absolutely well um, eighth overall at the Tour de France Daniel I mean we are we're Wednesday there's still still quite a lot of climb. I mean this 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 was just day one of the toughest final week and we feel like the race is set. What what can we expect tomorrow? Well, what will you think tomorrow? What will we be saying tomorrow night if Rog, well, if, if Rog does commit Rogicide, Roglicide, sorry, on the the hardest climb of the Vuelta, El Gamonitero? Um, I, I I wonder. Well, it d- doesn't look as though that came into his thinking at all today. Um, what might occur tomorrow? But. It's a, it's a daunting prospect. Tomorrow's what some are calling the Queen stage. It's got over 4,000. It's got around 4,500 metres of climbing. And this climb, Rich, which... It's a real brute, isn't it? Well, it's right up there with the hardest climbs ever used in major tours. Just to do a quick comparison, the Gamonitero, or Gamonitero in uh, local di- dialect is 14.6 kilometres, average gradient of 9.8%. Lo Zoncolan in, from the Giro d'Italia, 10.1 kilometers, 11.9%. Mortirolo, 12.4 kilometers at 10.5%. And the Angliru, which is really, I keep calling it the Siamese twin of the Gamonitero because it's just, well, it's just over the ridge, effectively. 12.5 kilometers at 10.1%. But there are 6.4 kilometers of the Angliru with a, an average gradient of 13.1%. Um, you can sort of throw a, a very small blanket over those four. Um, it doesn't get much tougher than than them. But I, I mean, the, the Gamonitero might end up. You might end up getting people after tomorrow's stage calling it the hardest one they've ever faced in a Grand Tour and the hardest one that's ever featured in a Grand Tour. Difficult to see anything other than a roglification up there. Yeah, like I say, I mean, it, it, I or think. Or crucifixion. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't think anyone. A mastication. <laughs> yes. I don't think anyone really economizes on on these days, do they? I don't think anyone in those front three or four groups was thinking, okay, if I step off the gas now, you know, I'll have a bit more tomorrow. And yeah. it, it tends to be when you get well, when you get these these double headers, the strongest guys one day tend to be the strongest guys the next day, don't they? That that is what usually happens. Primoz Roglic has the wind in his sails. He is uh, flying towards a third a third Vuelta, but there's still a lot of intrigue. Could be a breakaway day tomorrow. It could be a breakaway day, but there's also no one rich in the general classification. Um, and we could have said the same today, really. There's no one that desperately needs to make a big move or will be thinking they can make a, a no. bold move to and making up three or four no. positions on general classification. I mean, the, the one who is pr- probably most desperate need of a bit more time is Superman. Joe Dombrowski is going to win tomorrow's stage. He's going to get in the break and. Uh, and win on that climb I, uh, is my prediction. Um, Daniel, should we wrap things up for tonight and go and find something to eat in Oviedo? Maybe a cachopo. Is that what we're going to go for? 
Um, Can you remember yeah. what catch up is? Yeah, Lionel's a big, big fan. Slab of yeah, maybe of, not of pork or veal. I always get mixed up. Maybe not. In maybe we'll go for a, maybe we'll go for a Mexican. Will we having any cider? Um, Asturias and Oviedo is famous for not only the cider itself, but the the whole ceremony around pouring the yeah, cider, we, isn't we, it? Yeah, we saw that today, didn't we? And we passed the Museum of Cider on our way in here. Won't have time to visit that, but uh, it's nice to be here even in the rain. Uh, it's a nice it's a nice city, and I'm sure we'll eat well, and we'll report back on that tomorrow night. Thank we had you. a lovely meal last night, didn't we, in Santiana del Mar? We did, Rich. What's that restaurant called? It is called, Rich, El Pasaje de los Nobles. Sort of literally, this doesn't sound very good, the passageway of the nobles. Well, it was very, very, very good indeed. We had a delicious meal was and that, a lovely bottle of wine. Was that is that apt for us visiting last night? The, the, the passing of the nobles, you know, we were passing through Santiago, Santiano del Mar. Would I mean, we be classed yeah, as why not? nobles in any circle whatsoever? Why not? Why not? We can go with that. We had heart music. We felt it felt kind of royal and regal, I think. So listen, let's uh, wrap it up and uh, we'll reconvene tomorrow night. Daniel, thank you very much. Thanks, Rich. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time.